You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET, and I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for tuning in. That music, of course, is unmistakable. Around this time of year, we see a lot of scary movies rotating through the television networks. That, of course, is the theme to the series of movies just titled Halloween. I think anybody of a certain age, at least, who hears those little uh, that little uh, se- sequence on the keyboard knows exactly what that means and exactly what horror villain is going to be featured on the stream. And for most of us, there's one movie, of course, that scared the pants off of us when we were young, whether it was Halloween or Friday the 13th, or for me, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the only movie I ever walked out of. Uh, out of absolute fear. Uh, Horror isn't a genre that's simply about cheap thrills. It can produce cultural touchstones like The Exorcist or The Blair Witch Project, and it can be, dare I say, beautiful. Think of The Shining and Psycho, which consistently rank on film critic lists of the best movies of all time. My next guest has built a career out of loving and writing about the genre of horror. We are joined now by Jonathan Barkan. He is the managing editor of Dread Central, a website that focuses on horror films and horror film culture. Jonathan, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, that What I said there about uh, scary movies being cultural touchstones. I am someone who thinks that that used to be far more true than it is now. And maybe that's just because now I'm an older guy and uh, I'm sort of wistfully thinking about the importance of my youth. Uh, but but I'm, I'm curious if you have the same observation as a critic. How has horror changed and has it become less of a sort of cultural driver than it used to be? Um, I don't think that it's become less of a cultural driver. In fact, I think it's as important to talking about cultural phenomenon uh, as it ever has been. I mean, we look at the ways that horror has spoken about society. You look in the uh, 60s and 70s when there was the fear of the Cold War and we had all those giant monster movies mm-hmm. and radiation. Then you had uh, Night of the Living Dead, which was a topic of uh, sort of how we viewed sort of the living room war where we were fighting over information and we were seeing events unfold in real time, something that was the first time that we'd seen in our coverage of Vietnam versus in World War II when we were waiting on film reels, sometimes, you know, days and weeks for information. Uh, and now we see that there's a lot of films that are tackling the uh, the racial uh I would say I wouldn't say necessarily say divides, but the tensions yeah. that are happening in our society today with films like Get Out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have the topics of social media that are ever present, and the fears and concerns around w- how much information we let out versus how safe we feel revealing such information. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it's not that it's less. Maybe it's that the the, the touchstones have shifted in a way that have uh, sort of escaped as much notice for someone like me as they did when I was, I guess, a teenager. Uh, and and they seem to sort of define a little more of my own sensibilities. I think it's also the fact that it's very difficult to see horror talking about culture when it's actually happening. When, when it's we, real. When it's, not only when it's real, but also when it's current, because yeah. we're so focused on uh, the actual events that we don't necessarily realize 
the immediacy of the art that's happening. Yeah. So we, but we see it in hindsight. We look back and we realize that horror films were very often talking about the fears of our society at that time. So when we look back, it's a great milestone. It's a great indicator of what our society was worried about, of what we were dealing with in that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so talk about the films that you get to review now that you just absolutely think are are brilliant. Uh, the, the the horror films that really are uh, defining the, the the genre the way uh, that it, that it historically has been, and then talk about the movies that uh, you don't care for, the movies that you think uh, maybe take it to a, the the realm of silly or ridiculous, and don't don't pull off. I think that delicate balance between uh, humor and fear, which mm-hmm. I think all scary movies have to have to deal with. Well, I mean, <clears throat> horror is an interesting genre in that it's inherently absurd mm-hmm. in a great many ways, uh, and a lot of times the the ones that recognize that are the ones that are the most uh, just they have the most impact. Right. They're the ones that resonate the most <laughs> with us. Uh, I mean, you look at horror movies and you see that the reaction of people is often that right after a scary event, they'll scream, but then they'll start laughing. Right. Uh, and so when I look at horror, it's it's interesting. We're in a pretty amazing age of horror right now where uh, it's it's kind of ubiquitous. We see it all over. TV with The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, American Horror Story, Channel Zero. Uh, there was, unfortunately, the canceled Hannibal. Um, we also see that independent horror is reaching some amazing levels. There was, just in the past couple of years, there was an amazing film called It Follows, mm-hmm. which was filmed in Michigan and set in Detroit and the surrounding areas. Uh, you have films like The Witch and uh, A24 Studios who put out The Witch have other films that are magnificent. Um, and then you have just, you see like It, which came out recently. Right, which I have uh, not seen. Uh, interestingly, so I did a set visit and I you know was on the set while they were filming, but I still haven't seen huh. the film. Oh, I just, is that right? <laughs> just been uh, doing a lot of traveling to film festivals, so I haven't had the opportunity. But... Um, you know, you see how successful that is, and you see that horror is doing some really amazing things. But interestingly, what they've found is that uh, you don't need a big budget necessarily to have a very successful horror film. Right, right. So films like Insidious or Paranormal Activity. I mean, the first Paranormal Activity cost 15000 wow. and it made $120 million. Wow. Uh, Insidious was, I think, $1.5 and grossed over $100 million. Uh, so horror doesn't have to be pricey to really resonate. So I think horror is doing amazing things right now. Obviously, there are going to be some films that don't do so well, sure. and it's usually it falls into the realm of remakes and sequels that just they they really don't. <laughs> they never they never quite live up to the original. No, it's 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 rare that you have a, a sequel or a remake that's really fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Jonathan Barkan. He is a managing editor of Dread Central, a website that focuses on horror films and horror film culture. We're talking about scary movies because next week it is Halloween. What is your favorite scary movie? What's the film that still gives you the shivers at the very thought of it for me? 
they said earlier, it was Nightmare on Elm Street, which I saw when I think it was 14 or 15 years old and actually had to walk out of the theater. <laughs> I was so scared. Uh, what movie do you want to watch every Halloween? Uh, what movie is it not Halloween without for you? Give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we will work you into the conversation. Uh, Jonathan, as I said, Nightmare on Elm Street for me uh, was was absolutely terrifying. And I think it was the 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 construction of the narrative there around your dreams that yes. that something out of your dreams out of a scary dream which we've all had could it could you know come to life and and terrorize you in the real world there was something about that that really resonated with me i think uh, at at that age um but but my favorite scary movie or i guess horror movie of uh, of of all time is the movie manhunter uh, which I the classify the original, Lecter. right? Yeah. Which is the the movie that introduces uh, that character with Brian Cox as, uh, yes, as right. Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, yeah. A very uh, a very frightening uh, depiction in its understatement. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has he doesn't appear in most of the movie. He has very few lines, in fact, when he is there. But the things that he's saying and the way that he's saying them. Find absolutely brilliant, but also and very chilling. Chilling, right? Uh, yep. Scary. And the idea that Hannibal Lecter could exist in the real world. This is yeah. not uh, a rendering of of the supernatural or or the absurd. This is a rendering of the danger of uh, a brilliant human mind and what what could come out of it. And the and when it fractures, the kind of dangerous avenues that it can take. So um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because when I'm asked what are some quote-unquote perfect mm-hmm. horror movies, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily I would say like the cornerstones or the ones that uh, you know are immediately required, although now that I think about it, they, they probably are. <laughs> um, <laughs> the ones that spring to mind are obviously George Romero's Night of the Living Dead and then... Uh, I would honestly say Jonathan Demme's uh, The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. That's one of yeah. my absolute favorites. Yeah. So it's interesting that you brought that one up because we right. we definitely share yeah. a fascination and, with and Hannibal. And Anthony Hopkins' depiction of, of Hannibal Lecter is, I think, quite brilliant as well. Mm. I, I wasn't but as, you, but I wasn't as afraid of that character, I think, as I was of uh, the Brian Cox depiction. Yeah, he, he definitely... Played up the sinister aspect yeah. a little more. He wasn't as charming right. and charismatic, right. but he was equally brilliant. And uh, you could definitely tell that there was uh, that this was a man capable of great violence. Yes, right. That's right. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. No surprise. Lots of you want to talk about this subject. I think everybody <laughs> has movies that they uh, are terrified it's of. It's always a great love, topic. Right? <laughs> Jonathan in Ann Arbor, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Hey, Jonathan. Hey. Um, I would have to go with The Shining. The Shining as the movie that you that you like, or the movie that scares you the most. Uh, I would say it scares me the most, yep. And for what reason? Uh, <laughs> Is it the Jack well, Nicholson? <laughs> uh, from the very, very first shot uh, of the car going up the side of the mountain, uh, a sense of dread and eeriness just comes over me. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I I find that movie pretty chilling too, mm-hmm. and and uh, Jonathan Barkon. Uh, one of the things that I've read once about why that movie scares people is the nature of the shots, uh, uh, rooms with with uh, with sort of balance on both sides. They, they they seem very sterile, I guess, and they seem very still, and then they are interrupted by these incredibly gory or, or violent things. I mean, there is something about the way you shoot these movies as opposed to what is happening or what someone says that often adds to the horror. Well, I mean, Kubrick really understood that the nature of that film was essentially cabin fever. It was the the story of a man uh, succumbing to his broken mind, to yes. his stressors, and... Uh, the film is only mirrors that. It's incredibly claustrophobic. It's incredibly labyrinthian. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is that wonderful shot of Jack Nicholson looking over the model of the hedge maze, yes. and the very next edit is a top-down perspective of the same maze, but as it zooms in, you realize you're looking at the real maze and uh, of Danny and Wendy yes. kind of walking through and it's great that Jonathan mentioned that because The Shining is probably one of my favorite horror is films it? as well. And it still to this day manages to absolutely terrify me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, April in Ann Arbor, you're up next on Detroit Today. Hi. Mm-hmm. I actually um, kind of agree with the previous Ann Arbor caller. But um, <laughs> that wouldn't be the first thing I would. I, I would put The Omen and The mm. Exorcist yeah. and Misery with Kathy Bates. Yes, oh, on yeah. my list. Yeah, that's yeah. a that, as well as some old stuff, some old Orson Welles, and yeah. huh. and you know the really old stuff like oh, Phantom of the Opera, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even the Rocky Horror Picture Show, <laughs> yeah, which Rocky. happens to be playing tomorrow night in Ann Arbor at ten o'clock. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go, there you go. Right, <laughs> yeah, April. Thanks very much. <laughs> For the call there, the Omen and the Exorcist, I, I think, sort of, I think of as sort of twin horror narratives, and I'm not sure why I, I love no, those together. No, there's something very, very similar because yeah. they both deal with uh, fear when it comes to religion, but also of the power of faith, and I think that's what makes them so appealing in a great many way is, you know, The Exorcist at its core is not necessarily the story of a young girl that is possessed. It's the story of a priest who is at odds with his faith and he has to go through this uh, terrifying and uh, harrowing ordeal in order to find that faith again and in order to... And then jump out a window. And then jump out a window. But that's like, that's the (laughs) ultimate sign of his faith where he literally is screaming in this young girl's face, you know, take me to this demon, you know, leave her be, let this innocent child have her life. And the moment he feels that possession overtake him, that's when he gives, he creates the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, It's... You know, it's interesting. I never found The Exorcist scary, but I and I totally understand why it resonates with so many people, and I do think that it's an absolutely magnificent film. Yeah, no, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful picture. Uh, Derek on the West Side. Derek, you're up next on Detroit today. Hey, good afternoon. Hey. Good morning, you all. Uh huh. Good morning. I um, had two that I named, but then I got to thinking and listening. <laughs> the first one that really scares me to this day, is Amityville Horror Part 2. Uh, yeah. And yep. it's the scene when the son, the look on the son's face when he's killing his family. Yeah, wow. That's, that uh, you that know, just 
Oh, I had forgotten about that until you brought it up, Derek. So thanks a lot for for reminding <laughs> me of that horrible scene. But but uh, that also gets to to a point that you made earlier, Jonathan. This this question of sequels. But that's a sequel that actually. There's, holds there's some up, magnificent right? sequels. Amityville 2 definitely holds up in a lot of ways. Um, no, there's some really good ones. Jaws 2. Jaws 2. <laughs> Poltergeist. Uh, I I genuinely enjoy the second and third films. I will admit that the third one is not great, but it's it's quite eerie, especially with its use of mirrors. Yeah. So yeah. it creates, a, you know, it taps into that basic <laughs> fear. Right. Yeah. Uh, Derek, thanks very much for the call. Tony on the east side. Tony, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, go ahead. Now, this movie, it was a made-for-TV movie back in the 70s. I haven't seen it in 40 years. All I know is it scared the hell out of me when I was 10 years old. It was called Salem's Lot. I don't know if yeah. you can rent it or even buy it, but it, for some reason it scared the hell out of me when you, I was a kid. You can absolutely pick it up. That's a King adaptation. It's got a lot of love online, and, uh, yeah, there are absolutely ways to get your hands on that. It's a great one. And it's another... Uh, it's another of Stephen King's. Yeah, uh, exactly. He, I mean, that man is there's beyond prolific. His, there's something about his mind too. What's interesting is that his the adaptations of his novels into film or TV movies is pretty hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, I I wrote a post once saying that the It miniseries did not age well. Yeah. And uh, there were a lot of people who lambasted me, but there were a lot of people who also <laughs> admitted, you know, yeah, it was great when I was young, but looking back on it now, I realize that as I'm older, I don't have the same reaction to it. Right. So, right. It, And it's not to disparage <laughs> Tim Curry's performance. He's, he's a magnificent Pennywise, yeah. but it's simply saying that the rest of the film leaves a little bit to be desired. Just didn't, just didn't quite hit the mark, right? <laughs> yep. Let's take one more really quickly. Uh, Dave in Ferndale, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, fantastic. Hey, how are you? Well, I'm great. I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good. Wonderful. Well, I just wanted to touch on my, I, uh, your caller earlier went on about The Shining. It uh-huh. had some of the same feelings I had, but I had to stay on the line and touch on the music. Yes. The uh, soundtrack yes. of that movie yes. absolutely terrifies me. That is one of the creepiest, <laughs> most, I don't know, it just gets inside your nervous system, especially when you're earlier caller said they're driving up the side of the mountain. Yeah. They're not doing anything but driving up the side of the mountain. But that soundtrack behind, the music them, behind with those them. rising voices yeah. uh, by Wendy, I think Wendy Carlos wrote some of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, that really adds to the terrifying element of the movie. I just have to say that. Yeah, yeah. music is super important. It's You know, it's, uh, it's interesting because The Shining does have a interesting soundtrack where a lot of it is actually licensed music. And one of the tracks that they used is Penderecki's The Threnody for the Victims of Hiroshima, huh. which is one of the most terrifying musical pieces in the wow. classical world ever composed. If you ever want to scare yourself, just <laughs> turn you, out the lights YouTube and put that Threnody on. <laughs> for the victims of Hiroshima. Put that on and you will feel fear. Yeah. Okay, Jonathan Barkhan, managing editor of Dread Central, a website that focuses on horror films and horror film culture. Thank you very much for being here on My pleasure. today. My pleasure. Thank you. Up next, we're going to get a preview of John Moser's annual Halloween special, and we're going to go out here on some important Halloween music. Music from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. Life, life. 